everybody. Welcome in. It is Tuesday, June 7th. It is 9.30 on the dot. It's actually 9.31 now. Uh, I am joined by, I've been telling him this for the last week. He is the one gentleman. He's the one person that I know that told me back in January or December, hey, Bill, we need to go get some interns, some folks to write about this baseball team because I think they're going to be a little bit better than expected. Uh, I think he is still pleasantly surprised by how good this baseball team has been. Uh, but Sam Jesse, how are you doing today? Welcome, uh, welcome in. Billy Ray, I am doing phenomenally. I am ecstatic. I am surprised. I will say that. Um, I did. I did. I was right, wasn't I? I would say more sure. though that I was right a couple years ago when I said that this program was going to take off. I did say. In my preview, I thought they'd make it to the NCAA tournament, um, but by no means did I expect ACC regular season champs and hosting a super regional. Um, that was that was out of the question. So kudos to John Chef and kudos to those players because I think they have outperformed even the most optimistic of expectations. Yeah, I had a few calls with uh, – I, I reached out to a couple of the guys and a couple of the guys from baseball teams past. I'll leave names out. Um and at the end of the call, it ended with, can you believe how good this baseball team is? This is guys who played in the program, know the program, follow the program. And the common consensus has been, wow, I cannot believe the heights that this program has climbed to. Um, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's funny how the direct correlation between beautiful baseball stadium and beautiful results have gone hand in hand. Um, but wow, incredible. We're here to give you the lowdown on the regional, the super regional. And, uh, as I put in the tweet, uh, NCAA college world series for dummies. I consistently am texting Sam, Rob in the group chat about dumb questions because I've never followed college baseball quite as much as I've been following it this year. Same thing with softball. Uh, so we have some questions to make sure that you are prepared for everything Virginia Tech baseball. So let's jump right into it. First of all, first and foremost, we have to give a shout out to our sponsor. That is Main Street Pharmacy located right on Main Street in Blacksburg. Um, look, there's one place you can get Sons of Saturday flags. There's one place that you can get different merchandise. You go in, you're going to get service with a smile, but it's really the one place that you should go for all of your prescription needs, all of your vaccination needs, and all of your day-to-day needs. Jeremy Counts, the lead pharmacist down there, is a Hokie grad. He loves the Blacksburg community. He cares about the Blacksburg community, and he doesn't just say it. He gives back to the community over and over and over again. Cannot, cannot say enough positive things about Main Street Pharmacy. Whether you need a, whether you need a prescription or whether you need some Pedialyte or a Sons of Saturday t-shirt, head on down. It is our premier sponsor. We would not be able to do what we do without Jeremy Counts. So check him out, head on down, show him some love, and let him know the Sons of Saturday sent you. Sam. Yes, I sir. I told you about four and a half minutes ago that I needed a hokey haiku. Yep. Mm-hmm. Give me a hokey haiku for this podcast. All now. right. If this isn't perfect uh, grammatical English with the syllables, it's sorry about it. Uh, <laughs> English field is great. It has been built in Blacksburg. Sons of Hammer Time. 
Love it. Love it. A baseball haiku to get us going. So first, Sam, before we recap the, or let's go ahead and jump in and recap the regional that we just played in Blacksburg. I got to tell you, Blacksburg regional has an amazing ring to it. We just put out some t-shirts commemorating the incredible win. It's the first time in program history. They posted a regional. We run the regional. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It it is not the first time they've hosted a regional. It's the second time. It's the first time they've won a regional. It is the first time. Yeah. Okay. So when was the last time we hosted one? See, I told you this was baseball for dummies. So when was the last time we hosted one? That's okay. It was 2013. Um, The regional included UConn, Coastal Carolina, and Oklahoma. Uh, It was won by Oklahoma. And our current current last went to Oklahoma, right? Yep. Uh, Current current Oakland A's star, Chad Pender, was on the Hokies team that year. Really led the team. But uh, that was the last time the Hokies were in the NCAA tournament and the first time that they hosted a regional. So is the coach that departed Virginia Tech, is he still the coach at Oklahoma currently? No, he's retired. Ah, he has retired, but he did leave uh, Blackford. I believe so. I believe I'm getting this. I was young then. <laughs> this That's like 10 years ago almost. That's, I got you. COVID has made it very hard to follow timelines. So let's go ahead and let's let's recap the uh, the regional here. Walk us through kind of the, fir- the, the three games that we played. And if you can – Give us a little, uh, give us a little understanding of how you win a regional. Uh, how exactly do you win a regional and what was Tech's path to winning the regional? Right. Well, the format of it's pretty simple. You have teams ranked first, first seed through fourth seed and you play double elimination bracket style. So one plays the four, two plays the three, the winner of those matchups play each other, um, and then if you win that game, you go to the final, you play the winner of the loser's bracket. So it was actually on a national scale, one of the least talked about and one of the most uninteresting regionals. And that's because Virginia Tech just dominated everybody they played. They started with a game against Wright State, a team that they uh, opened kind of the season with. They played them early, lost the first game to Wright State. Everyone was texting me, oh, this team sucks. They lost to an 0-6 Wright State team. They're not good. I was like, hold up. Wright State's a pretty good team. They're going to win their conference. They're going to make the tournament. They did. Uh, So Tech won two out of three against them. Uh, It was kind of a tough game. Wright State's a really good team. I actually thought they were the third best team in the regional. I think they were a much better team than Columbia, but we'll get into that. Uh, So Tech wins that one, 15-9. Next game, they play the winner of the 2-3, which was an upset where Columbia beat Gonzaga. just demolished Columbia in every sense, beat them 25 to four. 14 played, runs in the fifth inning? 14, when did we score? 14 four? runs in the fifth inning. Yeah. 14 runs helped out a little bit by the fact that Columbia didn't know how to play night games, apparently. Um, I believe they'd only played two all season. So Columbia is a confirmed, not a party school. Uh, game three played the winner of Columbia Gonzaga again, again, Columbia won that game and shout out to Columbia as an Ivy league school. They play pretty good baseball in the Ivy league, but they beat a Gonzaga team that has one of the best pitching staffs in the country and two first round pitchers on that team. So shout out to the Columbia Lions, great season. And they performed admirably, but just not enough. Hokies beat them seven to two in the regional final. Uh, really one of the most uneventful regionals across the country. So as you look back, the regional, which again was historic coming out of that regional with the W, uh, Virginia Tech had seven players 
named to the Blacksburg regional team. Uh, that is headlined by the most outstanding player, the MOP, who is Gavin Cross. Uh, we'll get into his uh, statistics in a second. Statistics in a second, but uh, the entire list is Gavin Cross, most outstanding player. All three outfielders: Gavin Cross, Jack Hurley, Carson Jones, Tanner Schobel at shortstop, third baseman Carson DiMartini, first baseman Nick Bittison, and Cade Hunter at catcher. I want to zone in on Gavin Cross, who is having one of the best seasons not only in Virginia Tech baseball history, but in baseball at the college level history. Let me give you some numbers here. Gavin Cross has struck out 37 times total in 230 at-bats. He has as many extra base hits as he has strikeouts. 37 extra base hits in 230 at-bats. He is 12 for 12 on stolen bases, and he has drawn 30 walks. Sam, can you just... You've watched this guy from the beginning of the season. Talk to me about Gavin Cross. I mean, this guy is likely to be the highest rate, the highest drafted Hokie in the history of the program. Talk to me about this absolute stud that we have playing for us. Yeah, you know, he is a top 10, top 15 pick in the uh, next MLB draft. Probably going to be one of the top five or six players picked from the NCAA college ranks. Everyone else will be high school or international player. But you know, the thing about him is his slash line actually isn't as good as it was last year. And compared to other guys on this tech lineup, which is, I think, the best in the country, it's not, you know, it doesn't jump out at you. But what he's doing is all the little things. He doesn't strike out. He hits the ball hard consistently. He's a threat on the base paths. He gets extra base hits. He steals bases. It's like he does all of those little things so, so well that pitchers have just kind of stopped pitching to him. He doesn't get a lot of fastballs for strikes. He doesn't get a lot of off-speed stuff on the plate. Guys are really making him try to chase, and he's still hitting really well. So, you know, I think with Gavin Cross, that's what's so exciting for MLB scouts and why he's going to be so highly drafted is he's not a guy who just mashed a bunch of fastballs all season, you know. Uh, He's playing at the highest level of college baseball. He's the number one target of pitching staffs every time they play. And he's still performing at a really high level. So, I mean, he's just been amazing. He made the move from right field to center field. He's naturally a right fielder or left fielder. That's where he played in the Cape Cod League. That's where he played last year. That's where he will play in Major League Baseball. I don't think he has the range of a center fielder. We've seen that a couple times this year. But overall on the field, he's, he's pretty darn good as well. Let's move on to the Super Regional Preview. Um, I like how you broke it down here, right to the point. So here's what we got. We got the when. We got Friday at 3 o'clock on ESPN2, Saturday at noon on ESPNU, uh, and then Sunday, if necessary, that is TBD for the viewing purposes and the timeline purposes. Off rip. Don't love the times. Don't love nope. the times. Any thoughts on the on the times here? And it wasn't just this isn't a Virginia Tech thing. North Carolina no, no. has first pitch at eleven o'clock. Some of these times are weird. Any 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 thoughts on the times that we've been given here? Well, they want to make sure that they get as many eyes to a game as possible. I don't think they want them all going on at once. And Billy Ray, also partially, your Celtics are the are to blame for this. The NBA is going to be taking up a lot of ESPN's coverage this weekend, so. Um, that's, that's also part of it. I think 
it's going to be okay. It's going to be a little toasty. I think where it becomes more of an impact is kind of some of the Texas schools that are hosting, uh, you know, let's, let's go over all the other super regionals while I'm looking right. at it. Go for uh, it. The top team in the country, one of the best college baseball teams of all time so far for this season, Tennessee. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't think Tennessee will lose another game <laughs> through this. They're, they're that good. Uh, they're hosting Notre Dame. That might be a little tough one for that. Notre Dame's probably not going to do too well on that one, although they're a good team. Stanford will be hosting UConn uh, in Corvallis. Oregon State will be hosting Auburn in Blacksburg. Again, Virginia Tech hosting Oklahoma. And in College Station, uh, Texas A&M hosting Louisville. Like, I really only think the Texas A&M and Tennessee, you know, are the, kind of the ones you would deal with. The heat would be kind of an issue. But other than that, uh, just good summer baseball. Yeah, a couple other teams that will be hosting regionals. You have uh, uh, the whole slate is Tennessee hosting, East Carolina hosting Texas, Texas A&M hosting Louisville, obviously Virginia Tech hosting Oklahoma, Stanford hosting UConn, North Carolina, Arkansas, Southern Miss, Ole Miss. I mean, you got a Mississippi showdown going on in Mississippi. That's exciting. Uh, And then you have Oregon State hosting Auburn. So let's talk a little bit about. Yeah, and I just, by the way, I just assumed the Mississippi schools would be okay with the heat. Um, <laughs> you're you're way down in the swamp down there. They'll you're, find you're a way. They're, They're gonna fine. find a way. Yeah. Um, so again, where English Field at Atlantic Union Park, Union Bank Park in Blacksburg. Let's talk a little bit about our opponents. The University of Oklahoma comes in with a forty and twenty-one record. Uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about where you got this scouting report and tell us what you see out of the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, big shout out to my coworker, Blake, who is a Oklahoma graduate student uh, alum, follows Oklahoma sports big time. He's a big boomer Sooner guy, was wearing his horns down t-shirt to work a few days ago. Loved it. Um, he gave me the lowdown. I did some look on D1baseball.com, uh, looked at some of their highlights from the regional Oklahoma is a really interesting team because they've flown under the radar most of the year, had a share of the Big 12 title in the regular season, and ended up winning um, you know, the title there. They won the Gainesville Regional in seven games against Florida. They had a 16-3 to win over Liberty, who was the three seed in that. And then they beat two out of three against the home team, the Florida Gators, um, culminating in a 5-4 to win. Uh, against Florida in a game that was interrupted for about three hours. Can we just take a second and say, I mentioned this in the last podcast, the Florida Gators have been the thorn in our heel. And I am so, I don't, I don't know anything about Oklahoma baseball. I don't know anything about Florida baseball. I'm glad we're not playing Florida. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) If if tech was playing Florida, I would pick Florida. That's just how tech athletic goes. Although I will say it's like an, it's like an Ironman too. I'm blanking on the, the bad guy's name. But he's like, Tony Stark, I've waited my entire life to kill you. And Tony Stark's like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Tech fans are the bad guys. Florida's Tony Stark. They're like, this isn't a thing. But Tech fans know. Deep down, they, they know. But uh, yeah, just the, the Sooners team, they're pretty interesting. They have flown under the radar. They're a really young team. Uh, they start three true freshmen. I would say they're a lot like Virginia Tech last year, where... They can hit pretty well. They have a few good pitchers, but they struggle really badly in the bullpen. We'll get into that. They're really athletic. They're very fast in the base pass. They're tied for fifth nationally in stolen bases. But 
they have a tendency to play really, really badly. Uh, they've had some pretty bad games. They like lead the nation in quad one wins, yet they finish the season with 21 losses. So you're looking at a team that can play really, really high. They have a very high ceiling. They also have a pretty low floor compared to the rest of the super regional teams. I would say that Virginia Tech got one of the more favorable super regional draws here. Um, if I were, I've seen a few power rankings of teams left. Oklahoma is probably 14th or 15th out of the 16 teams remaining in my book. Uh, they do have some really good players uh, that we can that we can get into. They're a very good team, very good team. Uh, definitely can beat Tech this weekend, but they have a lot more flaws than I think other super regional teams have. You know, compared to Stanford, Tennessee, Oregon State, some of the best teams in the country. So to, and, and this is going to be a common theme in this podcast today for Patrick Lawrence, it sounds like with the Q1 wins, uh, if you were to compare Oklahoma to a March Madness team from this past March Madness, we're looking at a Michigan or an Indiana wildly, exactly. inconsistent, wildly inconsistent plays really well against uh, the top level talented teams. Um, but again, this is not a one and done. This is a three game series going down in Blacksburg. Um, so let's dive into some of the players to watch from Oklahoma. Who are some of the players that worry you? Who are some of Oklahoma's main, uh, main players here? Well, it starts with the guy that we're going to see on Friday, Jake Bennett. Uh, he'll be the starting pitcher for the Sooners. He's their best arm. Six foot six lefty, uh, has MLB scouts salivating first team, all big 12. Uh, if you're familiar with baseball stats, his whip is 1.08. So that's walks and hits per innings pitched. Uh, anything above 1.5 is all-star level, like Kershaw, Verlander, Kluber, top, top guys. Um, those guys are a little bit older now. It's a little bit dated reference at this point, but you get the picture. Uh, high strikeout guy, averaging a bit over a strikeout per inning. Uh, he has only given up 22 extra base hits this year. Four home runs, zero triples, 18 doubles. So a guy who doesn't give up a lot of extra base hits, going up against a team that has well over 120 home runs in the year. So we talked about the arms, talk to me about the infield, talk to me about the bats. Well, the infield is two guys in the infield that are really good. Peyton Graham, the shortstop, Blake Robertson at first. Uh, Blake Robertson's kind of their power threat, Juco transfer, one Big 12 newcomer of the year, just kind of a classic first baseman. And Peyton Graham, pretty good in defense, but much more known for his bat. Uh, and then, in the outfield, Tanner, Tanner Treadway, uh, Treadway, I believe it is, not Treadway, excuse me. Uh, he's a good bat as well. This team, I think, again, similar to Virginia Tech last year, one through nine, they're pretty good. Uh, I don't think offensively they really match Tech at all, but they have a lot of speed. They have a lot of athleticism, um, and they're kind of a high-energy, high-excitement team. So let's shift our focus over to the Hokies. Look, if I'm if I'm going to guess, there are a lot of folks here listening to this podcast, and this isn't a shot because I fall in this in this category too. Um, Virginia Tech baseball, for the first time in a long time, is ultra successful. A lot of us are jumping on the bandwagon here, and I am excited about it. The environment at the stadium has been unbelievable. It just goes to show how much people love Virginia Tech love these teams and the progress that this team has made overall. 
So if I'm jumping into this podcast, I'm about to tune into ESPNU. I don't even have to worry about ACC Network, which I'm fired up about. <laughs> so Thank I'm going to be jumping on ESPN and I'm going to be watching this team. Tell me a little bit about this Virginia Tech team, which is breaking records. And um, if, if, I'm, if I know nothing about this team, tell me about this roster. Well, I got to tell you, when I said that this might be the best hitting team in the country, I'm not alone in thinking that. Um, one through nine is absolute dynamite at the plate. They hit for average. As a team, they're hitting 313 on the year, which is ridiculously high, even for college baseball. They have one, two, three, four, five, six players hitting over 330. That's Jack Hurley, Nick Bittison, Gavin Cross, Carson Martini, a true freshman from Virginia Beach, Kate Hunter, and Tanner Schobel, all hitting over 330. Uh, they hit home runs over 120 on the year. They hit extra base hits. They steal bases. They bunt for singles. Like this team does it all. They're the perfect offensive baseball team. They really are. There are no holes in this team offensively. They can hang with anybody. Going into the season, we were worried about pitching. Tech lost their top four arms from last year. Top four came in. Griffin Green, a guy who didn't play a lot last year. Got a lot better. He's their Friday starter. Drew Hackenberg, true freshman starter from Pennsylvania, playing much better. He really developed himself throughout the year into an ACC arm. Those two guys are going to be the starters you're going to see on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Drew Hackenberg's a really exciting talent as a freshman. He's hitting 94, 95 with four-seam fastball with a lot of inside movement. I talked about Corey Kluber. He pitches a lot like Corey Kluber if you followed Major League Baseball. Team ERA of 4.21, pretty darn good. Um, again, this team has been better pitching than what people thought they were going to be, which has carried this team to where they are now. We knew they were going to be really good offensively. Everyone knew that in the country, that this was a dominant offensive team. Pitching was the question. They've gotten good pitching. The bullpen has performed well. Guys like Graham Fireved, who is the, uh, as I call him, the 16th member of OPEC, all he throws is gas. Um, although the members of OPEC are changing him by the day, by the day. <laughs> um, I, I entered a, uh, I went down a political rabbit hole. When so I was, it's it's really pulling up the gas tank, a turn we didn't expect. There are officially only 14 members now, um, by the way. So I guess he's the 15th member of OPEC now, <laughs> but he's been really good. Um, Christian Worley has a guy who has developed throughout the year. Henry Weicker as well. I'm really excited about Christian Worley. Um, in this series, he's a guy with a really good changeup, which I think will go well against this young and experienced Oklahoma Sooners lineup. So, I mean, just overall, man, they're so fun to watch. They're so exciting. They play with a lot of passion, but they play with that passion and a bit of experience, which I think is going to make the difference in this tournament. We didn't talk about this with Oklahoma, but um, I'll, I'll go back to it. We talked about how they were a younger team. They start three guys, three true freshmen in the field. That lack of experience has bit them in the butt a few times this year. Uh, their fielding percentage is under 95%, which is not very good. Um, that's actually tied for second to last in, in the Big 12. And they also had 63 errors on the year. That is tied for second to last in the Big 12. So this is a team that in the field can make some mistakes. You cannot afford those against Virginia Tech. If Oklahoma makes a few mistakes here, I think this series can be over in two, but that's if they make mistakes. Um, well, Sam, 
Sam, I want to say one of the things that you were texting about during the regional was baseball a lot of the times is a how the ball bounces. And a lot of the times in these games against uh, Columbia and in this regional, uh, we got really unlucky with bounces in the infield and everything else. So I, I'm definitely interested to see how that how that pans out. And another word that you mentioned in this uh, in this preview here was the D word. Get your head out of the gutter. But I want to turn my attention to Coach Chef and his coaching staff, who have done an unbelievable job developing some of these players. Tech has done a better job recruiting, which we have talked about. When I texted you first, like midway through the season, I said, "Sam, why why are we so good? Like, can you are we recruiting really well?" And you said, "Look, we're recruiting above where we recruited before, but it really comes down to the development." of a lot of these players. Can you speak to the job that coach chef and his staff have done um, to developing this roster, whether it's during the off season or even freshmen that have come in and getting better throughout the season? You know, they've done a phenomenal job of finding talent um, offensively. So let's stick to offensive because in college baseball, you only have 11.7 scholarships. Uh, When nine guys play at a time, that's not a lot of scholarships. So, Building a pitching staff is very different than building an offense. So let's look at building an offense. Only one player in Virginia Tech's batting lineup, starting nine, was drafted out of high school. That is really, really rare for ACC baseball. The only guy was Cade Hunter, who's been a phenomenal catcher. Um, this They've done a really good job of just finding guys who do the little things correct, play with speed, play with athleticism, and are guys who are coachable. Jack Hurley is a phenomenal athlete that struck out Billy Ray, you and I would strike out the amount of times Jack Hurley struck out last season. And now he barely strikes out at all. He's being such a much, a much more confident, much more cerebral hitter at the plate. So they've gotten a lot of guys who are really coachable and who have these raw athletic skills. Uh, basically, no matter which team tech plays, they're the more athletic team. And you, you can see that on the field. It also helps that tech plays on turf as we go to some unlucky ground balls, like I talked about. Ball moves really fast on a turf field. As for the pitching, guys like Griffin Green, he was not a starter last year, didn't really even sniff starting. He went to the Cape Cod League for the Summer League, which is probably the most high-profile summer league in college baseball. Packing on and, the Ian Seymour League. Yeah, absolutely. And th- th- those guys are in Major League Baseball. This is where this guy went, and he really developed. He got so much better throughout the summer. And now we're seeing him as a top-notch ACC arm. Uh, They have had some recruiting misses along the way. But for the most part, they've gotten a lot of guys who they could mold into ACC players. They've done a phenomenal job. They're on the cutting edge of using virtual reality to help hitters see pitches better. Um, They're doing a really good job of keeping these pitchers healthy. Uh, Ryan Fechtel, the pitching coach, uh, a lot of people disagree with a lot of his uh, movements on the mound and, and how he you know, structures his pitching staff. But I think overall, he's done a good job, especially this season, keeping his arms fresh. Uh, Virginia Tech will have everybody ready to go for this super regional. Not a lot of teams across the country can say that, especially at the pitcher position. So they've just done a great job from all angles of developing this team from the time that they stepped foot in Blacksburg throughout the off season, throughout the summer, they've just gotten better and better on really a monthly basis since these guys have set foot in Blacksburg. Real quickly, just, you know, for anybody who's typically watching the Nationals play 
uh, day to day or the Mets or the Phillies or whoever. Can you explain to me a little bit the difference between how tech may manage their bullpen between how, if you typically watch a regular baseball game, how they're managing their bullpen, just so if somebody's watching a game and they see something happen, they're like, Hey, this is not what the Phillies do. Hey, this isn't what the nationals do. How does tech typically manage their bullpen uh, on a regular basis? Well, you got to think about it too. MLB, you have 14 pitchers right now, five starters, nine relief arms, probably two of those relief arms are closers. So when you're looking at what Virginia Tech has, they have three to four starting arms. And I'm using air quotes, which doesn't help on a podcast, but I'm using air quotes. And then you just have a bunch of bullpen guys, right? No one is going out here on Tech's roster throwing 98 to 100. There, there's no Emmanuel Classe on Virginia Tech's roster. They don't have a closer. They have a bunch of arms who maybe don't have the stamina of a starting arm or the stuff of a starting arm, but can go and get out. So you, they really have to play it matchup by matchup. And John Sheff will say this all the time. We're going to go, we're going to go hitter by hitter. We're going to get the best matchup we can. If we're going up against a guy who hammers fastballs, we're going to throw Christian Worley in there who has a nice changeup and some good sliders. Um, if we're going up against a guy that likes to sit off speed, we're going to put Graham Firebed in there. He's going to throw 92 right on the paint. They have to be able to do that because they just don't have – no one has the depth in pitching. Uh, maybe only two or three teams in college baseball have a significant starter, two setup guys, and a closer. Tennessee is probably the only team that has that setup. Other than that, you're really playing it by ear as the game goes along. To touch on that, one of the things, and, and you can speak to, we spoke about it from a defensive, uh, from a, a pitching standpoint, and you can talk about it from an offensive standpoint. When we first got Coach Chef, I went to the series against UVA, which was at UVA, and this is back when Tech was finishing near the bottom of the ACC. Um, and I asked a lot of the guys who were on the team at that time, I think this was 2019, 2018, I said, hey, what's the biggest difference between Coach Chef and how he manages the game based upon, you know, the previous coach. And they said he has a very at he he values every single not at bat, he values every single pitch. He is okay. huge on small ball, he is huge on making the right decision not for the inning, but for the batter, for the pitch, for everything. Can you speak a little bit towards kind of coach chef's uh, coaching style? and uh, his small ball mentality from an offensive standpoint. You know, in the you know limited press availability that I've been able to have with him, he is a really direct and tell you like it is ball coach. I mean, if a guy goes out there and sucks, he'll tell you the guy went out there and sucked. Um, he'll be very upfront about everything, and he's really detail-oriented. Um, and I think that really speaks to some of these guys going in where you do need to mold them and stuff like, Hey, just because you hit that ball for a single, well, you know, guess what? You could have, you could have hit it for a double or something like that. Like he, he thinks like that on a pitch by pitch basis, he's really detail oriented. And, you know, I think that guys respond to that really well. Billy, I mean, you've played collegiate football, a coach who goes in there is like, yeah, you know, you, you drew a walk there, but Hey there was a pitch there that you probably could have hit. Let's dive into that pitch because that's a coach who really wants you to get better. Who's not just results oriented, process oriented. And I think being process oriented like that and being so cerebral about the game of baseball has 
you know, elevated each and every player individually, and they've just become so much of a better team. And he's building this program identity where they can go lead the ACC in home runs, or you know, they can have Kevin Cross who hits seven triples. They can also bunt be four for four on bunt singles and run guys over. Like whatever needs to happen at that moment, he wants his team to be able to do it. So he's a very unique coach, and I think of how process oriented he is. So. That was fantastic. I appreciate that that recap here. I'm just going to ask a couple of uh, general questions that I've had. I got to ask you, man. You're you're swirling some wine over there. What what do we got on tap? Yeah. We got Chianti. We got Cabernet Merlot. What what's on tap for Sam tonight? It's a it's a Tuesday. I know a glass a day is like good for your heart health or something. What 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 do we what do we got over there? Billy Ray, I'm usually a beer guy, so I could tell you all about the flavor profiles of the beer and the brewing process. I'm not a wine guy. Uh, right. Ethan, what wine is this? It's a red. It's a red. Uh huh. Do we have a year? Twenty nineteen, a good year for wine. I've heard. It's well balanced with dark fruit, is what I'm being told. Well balanced with dark fruit. I believe a cup a day. I believe like a, a cup a day is good for your heart health or something. That's what they say. That's what they say. Well, I think what they say is an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, <laughs> this is made of grapes, but uh, it's close enough. It's red colored, so we'll go with it. They say a hit a day leads to a 300 hitter. That is what Keith Hernandez says on all of the Mets broadcasts. But so a couple questions uh, for NCAA tournament for dummies. So I, I want to ask when, when the NCAA is doing the seeding or the matchups here, does it have anything to do with proximity? So whether it's the regionals, the super regionals, how are they determined? How did we end up playing Oklahoma essentially? <laughs> that's a, that's a, Darn good question, Billy Ray. <laughs> um, theoretically, they want to keep it a regional, regional, right? Okay. So 64 teams make it. There are 16 regions of four teams. Okay. Um, they want to keep those, quote, regional. Yep. That sometimes cannot happen. So you'll have, you know, on one side, you'll have the East Carolina regional that had ECU, UVA, Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. and... Um, Oh, shoot. Who else did they have? I I forget. Had all those guys in one region, right? But that's pretty regional. I mean, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. On another side, you'll have Vanderbilt, which is one of the premier programs, traveling all the way to Corvallis, Oregon, to play Oregon State. Right. So I think they try to get the seeding as best as they can at this point. And if they need to move some big programs around, to make it more regional, they'll do that. Okay. But um, for the most part, I think in 2022, it was about ranking teams one through 64. Um, and if it, if they can move it around to be regionally based, they'll do so. The way that the uh, super regionals are based is purely seed based. So okay. the number one seeded team, so which is Tennessee this year, they will play against number 16 seeded team. Gotcha. And which this year was uh, Georgia Southern and Notre Dame wins that regional. So the winner of region one plays the winner of region 16. Okay. So in Tech's case, it was the winner of region four plays the winner of region 13, I believe. 
So another question that I had, and a, a friend of the podcast, Bryce Chalkley, brought this up. Can you talk to me a little bit about parity in NCAA baseball? Uh, again, for somebody who doesn't follow it very well, I know that Coastal Carolina has won a national championship. Who are some mm-hmm. of the bloods in baseball that are in the tournament this year? And do you typically see teams that aren't blue bloods uh, win national championships? Just talk to me a little bit about the pair. Is it like college football? Is it like women's college basketball? What, 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 what you know, that? I think it's much more like men's college basketball, okay. where you have, instead of having three or four teams that can realistically win the championship, you have, I mean, maybe 15 to 20 programs that can win a national title any given year. And, you know, these aren't really the big stages that you sometimes think about. Yeah. Okay. Right. You have, you have, you know, a dozen to two dozen top-notch programs that they have the facilities, they have the recruiting, they have the coaches, they have the fan support. You have those. A lot of those are in the SEC, obviously. The state of Texas is huge. Not only do you have Texas and Texas A&M and Texas Tech and TCU, but schools like Dallas Baptist, Texas Southern, uh, Rice, those are premier programs as well. West Coast, of course, with California, uh, the Pac-12 schools are usually pretty good. UCLA will have a good program. Oregon State has won. Oregon State has won a couple national titles just because they've they've built that program at that school. They're a top seed this year. Stanford as well. Um, but you're starting to see the ACC become kind of the premier conference and. It started really with Virginia becoming a national power, making the College World Series like three out of four years, eventually winning one a few years back. Virginia Tech kind of becoming more of a program. And then you have Carolina schools, UNC, NC State, Wake Forest. They're usually really good. So I would say right now, the two premier conferences are the SEC and the ACC. The Big 12 has some teams. And then you have like the smaller California schools, Um, you know, UC Santa Barbara, Cal State Fullerton, San Diego. Those are good programs as well because there's just so much talent down there. Um, Big Ten usually struggles. Uh, The classic Big East schools, if they do have teams, they usually struggle. Um, So it's a Southern-dominated sport, but I would say that is creeping up the East Coast a little bit year by year. Talk to me a little bit about the question that a lot of people are going to ask me is – if we win, then what? So if we beat Oklahoma, we take two out of three, win two in a row, what happens after that? So if Virginia Tech wins this one, they are headed to one of the greatest sporting events in American sports, that is the College World Series in Omaha, which is an eight-team bracketed double elimination tournament. So basically take the regional, double the size of it. Okay, That's what Omaha is. So – Virginia Tech would then end up playing the winner of the five seed super regional. So, um, gosh, I even forget what team. I have so much written down. I don't have that team. Right now. They play. <laughs> it's not Tennessee. It is okay. not Tennessee. Um, for those wondering, uh, Tennessee is like stacked beyond belief this year. They're an incredible team. They have incredible pitching. They should win the College World Series pretty easily. The number five regional, just to let you know, is the Texas A&M versus Louisville. So that's yep, perfect. So they would play the winner of that super regional. Uh, Virginia Tech has beaten Louisville. They won two out of three in Blacksburg, Texas A&M. They obviously haven't played this year. So yeah, Tech wins this one. They're headed to Omaha. Gotcha. And then the format for Omaha, again, as you mentioned, it is a double elimination bracket. Um, when you get to the uh, championship in Omaha, is that a game? Is that best of three? How does that work? It's a, 
it's a best of three series. They'll play that one on, um, I believe it's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They'll play that best of three series. Um, it is, uh, it's on my bucket list of things to go to. I've heard it's just, even if you're not a fan of any of the teams, just the stadium is incredible. The city is incredible. A lot, a lot of fun. I will say if, uh, if tech's able to find a way this weekend, I will be going, Sam, will you be going to Omaha? You know, I, I will for sure make it to at least one or two of the tech games. Okay. I will do everything in my power to go to Omaha. So let's talk a little bit about tech here. If you had to say one of the things that separates Virginia Tech from the remaining teams in the pool, uh, obviously all of these teams have have strengths, they have weaknesses. What are the strengths that set Tech apart and what are some of the weaknesses to keep an eye out uh, from this Tech team? You know, I think what sets Tech apart is the fact that one through nine, they are an elite lineup. I don't think another team in the country can say that. There's no easy out on this Tech team. They can all hit for power. They can all hit for average. They're all a threat to steal bases. You know, there's no let up on Virginia Tech. I I think this team can score 10 runs against anybody in the country. That includes Tennessee. I I think they can. The weakness for Virginia Tech, I think, is pitching depth. They don't have an elite arm anywhere on this staff. That's no disrespect to the guys they have, but no one on this staff right now is, you know, going seven innings of two-hit baseball. It's just not their style. And I think if you get to Omaha and you're playing that many games against the top competition, it's going to be tough to structure this pitching staff in a way that makes it really hard for teams to score runs on you. Good thing for Tech is I think they can score enough to make up for that. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to take just a phenomenal, phenomenal pitching performance from everybody involved in order for Tech to make a deep run in Omaha. Would you know a lot of what I'm doing right now? When when you know, I think, and a lot of people are making these comparisons, is trying to compare it to a team in the MLB that you follow. Would you say that a close comparison for Virginia Tech would be the uh, Oakland Athletics team that made the uh, the playoffs a couple of years ago? Where you're, it's not necessarily, hey, we're going to ride Clayton Kershaw, we're going to ride ride Jacob Degrom. It's more so. This guy's going to get two innings. This guy's going to get an inning. This guy's going to get two or three innings. Would you say that's a pretty close comparison to what what Tech is uh, is piecing together here? You know, I I would say so. I, I think a better way to think of it would be, gosh, it, it is tough. It's tough going to Major League Baseball because the good teams with the high payrolls have aces on their staff already. I think a good way to think about it would actually be to move to college football. Okay. And to think about, you know, some of those really good Texas teams with like Colt McCoy, where they were really electric offensively, but defensively had a lot of holes or, you know, maybe not, (laughs) I don't want to say 2019 LSU at all. I'm not going to say that, but think about a team like that, who anytime they step on the field, we're going to outscore you, like keep up with us. I think that's text mentality is our pitching and defense is not going to make mistakes and it's going to be good enough to put us in position to do what we do best. I think that's text mentality going into every game. So um, it's tough to make the major league baseball comparison just because like, you know, maybe the Mets right now would actually be a good pick where they don't really have an ace that's actually playing baseball, but one through nine, they're really good hitters. They're good fielders. Um, they can beat you in multiple ways. 
I think that's a good comparison for this team. The most important question and what every bandwagon tech fan is going to ask you, does this team have a chance to what, what is the road to a national championship for this Virginia tech baseball team? That's a, that's a very tough question. (laughs) You know, um, I honestly believe if Virginia tech plays their game and, you know, plays clean baseball defensively, their arms do what they need to do. And they do what they have done all year in the toughest conference. I really think they can take care of business until they play Tennessee, maybe Stanford and Oregon state do have really good pitching staffs that I think would challenge Virginia tech in a way they maybe haven't been challenged before. You know, if there's one team that I think I would have loved to see Virginia tech play in ACC play, it would have been Florida state who has Parker Messick, who's going to be an MLB pitcher in a couple years. And they have a really good solid pitching staff. They're not a very good offensive team, but I would have loved to see Virginia tech's hitters against their pitchers. So I think Virginia tech can go pretty darn far in Omaha. I think they can win a couple games. In order for a national title to happen, I think they would need somebody to upset Tennessee. Um, I think that's that's really your only bet. Maybe it's Virginia Tech who upsets Tennessee. Who knows? But it's going to be really hard to beat Tennessee in a three-game series. Um, I think it's going to be tough for that team to lose two games. I think Oregon State's a phenomenal team as well. They're really deep pitching. Uh, they play a very similar style to tech where offensively they're very complete. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is a path if they're going to be there, it's because they're one of the best eight teams in the country and in baseball, anything can happen. Anybody can get hot. I mean, the pirates, the pirates swept the series against the Dodgers this year in LA. It happens. Crazy things happen in baseball. I want to take a second and just say, Regardless of what happens this weekend, it has been a historic, historic season in Blacksburg. Uh, The investment from the athletic department on down, uh, the facilities that they play in, the showcase that we have been able to do from the regional and what's coming up this weekend on national television and the super regional and the facilities in Blacksburg are incredible. So I definitely want to tip my cap to the program and everybody else. And I'm excited for this matchup. Let's not forget uh, Friday at three o'clock, Saturday at noon and Sunday, if necessary, uh, Pat Finn, myself, Robert Irby, uh, I believe Ed Williams will all be in Blacksburg. Please come say hello. We're really looking forward to it. As we wind this down, uh, to our final two segments, um, letters from the lunch pail. This is an extended question because I know that you saw some stuff on Twitter today uh, regarding the tickets, but the first question is from John Cranham: When and where can you buy tickets from the regional? And then let's talk a little bit about the ticketing stuff that's been going on uh, on StubHub and your thoughts. Well, the when and where was eight hours ago, and HoagieSports.com. The so I, I think the the issue that came up and. Yes, this happens across sports. It happens. It has been happening across college baseball this season as well. Initially, the stands section of English Field, which is about two to three thousand actual stands seats, um, those were offered to Hokie Club donors uh, first and foremost. They got the tickets. Unfortunately, almost immediately after that, tickets were popping up on StubHub for hundreds of dollars. Right. So, which 
it's pretty easy to figure out from there. Hokie donors bought those tickets and then immediately turned to StubHub. And in some cases, we're seeing tickets go for 800% of their initial value. Um, that's happening across college baseball. I mean, if you look at any other site, there's tickets going for hundred to 200, even $300. Um, but we're, we're seeing here on StubHub, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. There are, like, let's see if I can pull it up, but there are tickets going for like two to four tickets of general admission going for, you know, upwards of $500. <laughs> um, it's, it's unfortunate that that's the world of sports ticketing now with Ticketmaster and StubHub and, and places like that. Um, don't, <laughs> you know, don't be a jerk. Don't use your, your status in the Hokie Club to turn up profit. We know you don't need a $108 profit, but that is kind of the world of sports ticketing. Um, I hope everyone who has the means to go and the ability to go is able to go and support the Hokies because I think the last thing anybody wants is empty seats in English field this weekend. So I want to ask you, um, Pat, myself, we bought four tickets. We're going to the game. It was never a thought of let's buy tickets, turn a profit. I want to ask you, is there a way to fix this aside from asking people not to, not to do that? <laughs> you know, no, like- I, I don't think there is. And I have to be honest, some of my initial outrage on Twitter on it was like, come on, Hokies, like don't yeah. do this because you know, like Blacksburg's a pretty difficult place to go to. Random baseball fan isn't going to this game. Like the only yeah. people going to this game are Virginia Tech fans. Yep. Um, and some Oklahoma fans as well. They have an allotment of tickets. But, you, you know, that's kind of my one thing is like, it was so obvious with the timing of when it came up that people bought the tickets and immediately turned them. And there wasn't a, you know, not to get too economic, but the market didn't set these prices, right? Somebody bought them for 25, 50 bucks yeah. and, immediately tur- and immediately put them online for a couple hundred bucks. That's the nature of sports ticketing, Billy Ray. Yeah. I think it's amplified in a sport like college baseball, where instead of, you know, 67,000 seat lane stadium, you're looking at, you know, 5,000 in total tickets that'll be allotted to English field. Um, it's unfortunate that that's where tickets are, but Hey, there, there's not much you can do about it. And I want to also say, you know, I, I saw it was you or uh, Pat and exchange with somebody who was saying, Hey, you know, it's, 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 if we could, if, if it's pissing off one or two people, not at all. I'm just going to let you in on a newsflash. Uh, we don't put our W2s out there, but Pat, Pat Finn and myself are not millionaires, um, but we did no. buy four tickets. Uh, it just was never in our thought process to, you know, flip them for four or $500. So, you know, this has no impact on anything. I'm just saying, I hope that everybody that shows up, that everybody that wants to go is able to go. And I hope that everybody that does go uh, is there to be loud, be rowdy, whether you're rooting for Oklahoma, it's, it's going to be a great environment. I think it has been a, a tremendous, tremendous display of, we just talked about this, the incredible facilities, the incredible, look, Coach Jeff has preached this since then, day one, building in Blacksburg. And the environment that he has produced has been fantastic. Aside from some of the commentary that we've had from oh, the play man, by the ACC network, uh, it has been really cool to see some of the overheads. So, you know, everyone who was there, everyone who was there at the regional said it was an incredible atmosphere. The stadium is gorgeous. Yep. Um, 
I had one troll on Twitter try to tell me it looked like a high school stadium. And yeah. then one of the yeah. main editors from D1 Baseball was like, yeah. it's a pretty darn cool stadium. Look, um, this, yeah, this is a guy. What a, go ahead, buddy. What better fan base to try to impress by being great hosts than Oklahoma, one of the most rabid athletic fan bases in the country? No doubt. Great opportunity. No doubt. So really, really excited about it. Um, and yeah, no, it's going to be an incredible environment. I'm excited to check it out. I have been to and raved about the incredible, incredible. When I went to go visit Virginia Tech playing UVA at UVA four years ago, I said, wow, UVA has an unbelievable facility. I went back to UVA this year for the Tech UVA series. Uh, and it is Virginia Tech is on par with that beautiful, beautiful ballpark that they have in Charlottesville. So it is incredible where this program has gone. Um, the other question that we have from Patrick Lawrence, I hinted at this before. Can you kind of break down the regional, super regional in Omaha in terms of, you know, round of 64, round of 32, sweet 16, elite eight. If we were breaking this down into March Madness terms, can you, can you make that connection? Yeah, I would say the regionals is your, the first four tournament teams okay. and then the first and second round all put together okay. because you get that craziness that right. absurdity. Gonzaga, I mean, I don't Gonzaga know losing in the Bla- yeah. Gonzaga losing in Blacksburg. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Gonzaga's, you know, top 20 ace being, you know, peppered by Columbia. You get that happening. Uh, you get phenomenal comebacks by Oklahoma state and Arkansas. You get crazy games between Louisville and Michigan. You get a, a lot of really cool, wow moments like you do that first weekend of march madness the super regionals i think is a bit more like sweet 16 and elite eight where you have really good teams playing some cinderellas some blue bloods and it's more of a each game itself is more of the event as opposed to the whole weekend um there's much more focus on one game and then omaha is like the final four it's the build-up the location the atmosphere um it's unmatched. I think it's better than the final four. Um, I think it's, it's one of the coolest events to follow. And my bucket list is to go there to Omaha. Okay. I love that question. I love that answer. Uh, we're going to move on to live advice for the final segment of this podcast. And for Sam, we were kicking around this before we pressed play. Um, you know, I'm extremely passionate. I am a buyer on Blacksburg in the summer. I think it is extremely, extremely underrated. So we're just going to talk about a couple things for you to do. If you're in Blacksburg during the summertime, I can go ahead and kick this off. First of all, come say hi to us. Um, uh, Pat and myself are getting an Airbnb with a couple of other, the sons of Saturday folks. We'll be tweeting what we're up to, where we're at. Come say hi, come hang out. Uh, tots in the summertime. No line, no cover, no weight. Go get yourself a rail and play cornhole in the totally hole. different bar. Uh, it's it's completely different. Totally different bar. Yep. Absolutely. So you can't beat that. Uh, I would say the NRV, uh, the the New River Valley Junction. So there's tubing and there's fishing. Uh, if you want to go set up a fire down there, that's something I did a ton freshman, sophomore, junior year. Um, I think it's like eight bucks. You pay for a tube and there's a bus that runs you back. You can bring a six pack and just drink beer and float down the river. It's a ton of fun. Put your, you know, set up your laptop, move the mouse around every time you get back <laughs> and make sure you're active on Slack. That's a, that's a fun time. Uh, don't bring your laptop in the water though. 
These are uh, college kids. They're not on. They don't know Slack yet. True. Well, I was talking. You know, if you're a college kid coming back, then that's fine. But you know, there are some adults that are going to be making the trek back, whether it's from Richmond or North Carolina or whatever, coming back. So there's another option for you. And then uh, the brewery scene. Can you talk to me a little about the brewery scene and then whatever else you have uh, in terms of what to do in Blacksburg? Uh, I love it. Eastern Divide's a really good one. Um, they have good food, although they did get rid of the poutine. That that did suck. But Eastern Divide's a great brewery. Rising That's Silo. That's the sunset one. That's well. where all the, all the Instagram chicks are posting the sunset pics, right? Gorgeous, gorgeous sunset. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cool place. Uh, so go get a brew. And I would also say in general, especially if you're there in the summer, especially if you're there in the summer, please support local. Yes. Go out to eat local. Don't, or if you need pizza, do not order Papa John's. Don't do don't it. Order no. Domino's. No. If you need a breakfast sandwich, don't go to McDonald's. Pay the extra buck. Get somewhere local in Blacksburg because they do need it in the summer. Yes. Um, it is very difficult to run a business in a small town, especially in the summer. So keep that in mind. Support local. It's better by a mile. So do it. Uh, last thing, and this is more, uh, I'm going to learn, uh, I'm going to get better at golf this summer. Um, but can you, if, if folks are coming in and they want to play a little bit of golf, uh, where are the best places to play golf? Or if you're a student, you're coming back in the fall, where are the best deals for you to sign up to play throughout the year? So we all know the allure of the river course there, right on and kind of in Radford, Virginia. Um, it, I believe it's still this, it might be a little more expensive now, but it's about 200 bucks for a semester pass for Virginia tech students. That is an incredible deal. It is a really well-manicured, beautiful course. It is pretty difficult, but it's a lot of fun, and there's great people. Um, it is locally owned. Uh, the owner lives in Blacksburg, so uh, support local by doing that as well. Learn to play golf. It's a great life skill. If you're looking for a different course, Auburn Hills in Reiner, Virginia, it's a pretty short drive. Uh, that's a gorgeous course, well-manicured as well, and pretty darn cheap. You can play around for about 30 bucks. And then if you're in Blacksburg and want to play the Blacksburg Municipal Course, the Hill, it's a bit more challenging. It's a very unique course, but it's a lot of fun. And if you want to just go play a quick nine holes, that's a great place to go. Sam, prediction for this weekend. Last question. You know, this is, it's so tough because I feel really weird picking Virginia Tech to win a super regional in baseball. Like it doesn't feel right. It feels like, oh, has it luck run out and stuff? But looking at advanced statistical projections for this, um, Tech has the third most is the third most likely team to advance to Omaha. Um, they're after Tennessee and Texas. Um, Oklahoma the fifteenth most likely. Tech is a more experienced team. They have a better lineup. I think if Virginia Tech can survive. Uh, Bennett on Friday and get to the bullpen quick and make that a bullpen game for Oklahoma. Uh, I think the series is over if they do that. So I think Virginia tech moves on to Omaha. I really do. I think they're a better team. Oklahoma is a very good team and they're very dangerous at points, but I don't see Virginia tech losing a three game weekend series at home. They have not lost a series at home all year. The only series they have lost was at Georgia tech, who was a tournament team and it needed two walk-offs to lose that series at Georgia tech. So uh, I'm picking the Hokies. Sam, super excited. You have done an unbelievable job covering this team from the Genesis of the season up until now. Um, I hope that you are maybe not gloating here on the podcast, but you have to feel pretty good about the predictions that you made 
in early January and February. You know, I, I tweeted out after like following this team from the start of the COVID year, they got cut short to now. Like it feels like I watched my child grow up and fulfill their dreams. Like that's really what it feels like. Um, or what I assume that feels like I don't have a child, um, especially one that's grown up and developed, <laughs> you know, their dreams. But um, it's been awesome. I'm so proud of those guys. I'm so happy for them. They work their tails off. They're a great group of guys, too. They're really fun. They represent the Hokies very, very well. So uh, tune in and watch them cheer hard for them. One last time, Friday at 3 o'clock, that is on ESPN2, Saturday at noon on ESPNU, and then Sunday if necessary. Again, English Field at Atlantic Union Bank Park in Blacksburg. We are playing the Oklahoma Sooners. What the hell even is a Sooner? Looking forward to it. Everybody enjoy. to wander tripping in the sand we smoke out windows drink till we can't stand but i saw you dance like you want to in my head and all that she said is oh i know what you're thinking